So hello, hello, this is Sabrina. And today we're going to be doing part five of how to become limitless. Okay, so today we're still covering part three of the book, which is the limitless motivation, the why. And today, hopefully we get to go through all of these. We'll go through um, um, the topic of energy the small, simple steps, so how to build new habits through small, simple steps, and flow state, how to get in flow state and all that stuff. Are we good? Are we ready? Drop some ones in the chat if you guys are ready for today. Yes? Amazing. So the first step, uh, the first step, the first topic, you guys, category of today is going to be energy. So how do you make sure your brain is as healthy and energized as it can be? Okay, um, so you usually what keeps you from doing things is going to be fatigue. I know myself, like when I'm extremely tired um, and I, it's harder to, for me to get things done, right? To be um, productive and all that stuff. And one of the things that it says is because of what you fool um, your, your body. So there's certain things that you need in order to be able to um, drive your actions, okay? For your mental and physical vitality. Okay, and it's all about energy management and optimization. Okay, so what you want to do, basically, you want to generate limitless brain energy. So in the books, he talks about um, 10 recommendations on how you can have a limitless brain energy. I'll go over them quickly. Some of them, I'm not going to go over them in depth because it's pretty self-explanatory. Okay, so the first one is a good brain diet. Okay, I'm going to give you guys the top 10 brain foods that he gives in the book. And that's, I, I love it because sometimes we think that it's, you know, for the people that are not, that don't eat as healthy, you think that you're going to have to have the best diet ever. But honestly, as long as you can incorporate those brain foods, you're already like ahead. Like it, I'm not saying go to, and starting tomorrow, you, you just eat salads and only greens, never fret. No, it's, it's too much, right? If you take it, just, I'm going to try to incorporate these every single day. You're just working on it as you go, which is what we want here. Okay. So basically it says, um, your brain functions best when it gets only premium fuel, eating high quality foods that contain lots of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants nourishes the brain and protects it from oxidative stress. Okay, um, so it requires 45 distinct nutrients to function best, your brain. Um, while most of these nutrients are created by the brain itself, the rest are imported from our diet. So the top 10 brain foods that he named, and I'm happy because I actually like almost all of them, or I, I, all of them. I'm going to name them for you guys if you want to take notes. Um, and I'll also tell you what they're good for, just so you know. Okay, so the first brain food are avocados. I love avocado. I always do avocado toast. My mom calls it palta. Um, so this helps with maintaining the he uh, healthy blood flow. Okay, so this is what avocados are good for. He, they, he talks about blueberries. Um, blueberries help reduce the effects of brain aging. And blueberries are honestly amazing. But just in general, they're good. They're, well, there's what they say is that it helps with uh, brain memory. Okay, um, blueberries, they have a lot of uh, good things in them. Uh, broccoli, that, that helps improving cognitive function and memory. Broccoli, I love, you know what I do? I steam the broccoli and then I put like a little bit of lemon, salt and pepper, really good, I wanna try it out. <laughs> Look at me talking about food on this call. Um, dark chocolate, I love, okay? This helps with your focus and it improves cognitive function. 
Okay, so dark chocolate, have fun, live life. If ever you want to like cheat, you're just like, well, it's good for my brain. <laughs> dark chocolate is an excuse, okay? Eggs, um, eggs are going to be good for, um, to improve your memory once again. <laughs> I'm helping you guys to have some cheat days. Um, green leafy vegetables. So those are going to be good for vitamin E um, and they're going to decrease the effect of brain aging. Um, then they, he talks about salmon, sardines, caviar, all again for a very good source of omega-3. So it's good for brain aging, um, to the effects of, to work towards the effects of brain aging. Um, turmeric, this is really good for inflammation and boost antioxidant levels. Turmeric guys is really good. You know, when they do these turmeric shots, like with ginger and stuff like that, with lemon, this is like amazing, not only for your body, but for your brain. So that's like a two in one in there. Um, walnuts, they're good for your mood didn't know, but it's good for the mood and anti-brain uh, aging. And then we have water. Obviously your brain, you guys, is made of 80% of water. Okay, so it's very important for us to stay hydrating, hydrated. And I'm sure that you've already heard of these, but honestly, I think it's so cool that there's so many ways for us to work on having a, a, a healthy brain. I love it. Like there's not only habits and things that you can do, but uh, uh, also things that you can eat to help your brain. And I just love it because what I love about this book and the teaching of this book, guys, is that, yes, we're looking at the brain, but working on your brain helps you with everything else, with your mindset, with your energy, with your productivity, with everything else. So like going through this, it's like you can apply everything we've been learning in the last five weeks into your personal life, into how you learn and what in your business, how you do, how you help people, like just in everything. So I just honestly love it. And it really covers everything we need to know about that. So I just love it so much. So that was number one, you guys, a good brain diet. Now he shares some recipe. I'm not going to do it on here because it's not a cook show, but a blueberry was good for um, effects of brain aging. Um, it's really, it's an, basically it's called a, um, ox, it protects your brain from oxidative stress, stress oxidative i don't know how to pronounce that um so yeah so he goes he talks about different race recipes if you guys want it i could drop it in the chat after the, the call of today um you know like a morning brain tonic a magic smoothie boost like there's a bunch of recipes like probably like five of them so yeah i could share them with you after the after the call okay so that was number one, you guys. Um, number two, our brain nutrients, okay? The, this is important because our cell membranes from all the receptors involved in mood, involved in mood, executive functioning, attention, and memory, okay? So B vitamins have been shown to improve women's memories. Curcumin, the nutrient found in turmeric, can um, forestall cognitive decay. Okay, so basically, if you guys want to know which are the good nutrients to 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 to, to to take, okay, to add on to your diet, I suggest you go to the National Institute of Health website. They're going to talk about all of the nutrients. I'm not going to go over all of them right now. Um, but there's, th those are things that you can just incorporate, okay, um, in your routine. Okay, some additional nutrients that you can add to your diet. So you can just make sure that your brain is healthy and you give it all so it's going to be energized and you're going to have the energy to do what it is that you have to do. Okay. Number three is exercise. Guys, this is nothing new. I'm not teaching you guys anything. Um, exercising is going to be not only good for your mood, but for your energy and for your brain, for everything. Because it changes the brain in ways that protect memory and thinking skills. Okay? So it 
there's a researcher of University of British Columbia that's that found that regular aerobic exercise, so the kind that gets your heart, um, like you sweat. Okay, it's not just you're doing a little squat and you're you have to sweat a little bit. So maybe a little jogging, a little bit of hit, a, a little hit workout, appears to boost the size of the hippocampus, the brain area involved in verbal memory and learning. So not only is it good for to oxygenate, oxygenate your body, for you to have exercise, but it also involves the hippocampus in your brain that's going to help you with ver verbal memory and learning. So it's way deeper than a physical appearance. As a matter of fact, like I don't care about like your fitness goals, like when it comes to what it what you look like. What I care is, are you healthy? You know, like we're not trying to become athletes. Some of you guys, maybe you're not into, you know, being in the best shape of your. That, that's not something you just want to be healthy. You know, who at the end of the day determines what's a, a, a fit body and you know what I mean? So it's the, the point here is to be healthy and to help your brain and just to move your body. Honestly, it helps so much with my mood, guys. The days that I don't work out or, or if I spend, because sometimes it happens, you know, life gets in the way or you're not, I've been traveling a lot. So sometimes it's not possible. Um, I feel it. You know, I feel it when my body just needs to move. And sometimes I'm not even going to be go that hard at the gym, but at least I got my body moving, you know, and it helps so much with my mood, with my energy throughout the day, you know, and it says when you're active and moving, you feel sharper. And that's so true. Like after the gym, I don't know, like when I'm done with my whole morning routine and I'm done with the gym and I'm drinking my smoothie while I'm on a morning call, I'm just like, talk to me nice. Like I've did everything, affirmations, gratitude, my goals. I meditate. I went to the gym. It's like, I just feel like a superwoman. I don't know if you guys can relate, but it, you, you'll never regret a workout. You'll never regret a workout, but you'll always regret not going. That's so true. Okay. So even guys, if it's just 10 minutes a day, by the way, it's shown that it's still enormous benefits. Even if you just go for a little jog for 10 minutes or a little hit workout in, in the living room for 10 minutes. You don't even need to do like something crazy for an hour, literally just 10 minutes. Think of it, you know, especially if you're busy or if you work from home or if you work in an office, it's important to just a little 10 minute, just jump around, just do a little thing there, you know, to get it moving. Okay. So that was number three guys. Now, number four, killing ants and ants stand for uh, automatic negative thoughts. Okay, so ends are automatic negative thoughts. And if you're like most people, you place limitations on yourself in the form of these thoughts, at least some of the time. Okay, but eliminating them from your life is an essential part of unlimiting your brain. Only when you move on from this kind of destructive self-talk can you truly accomplish what you want to accomplish. We've talked about it before in the last couple of weeks. If you keep on telling yourself, I suck at reading, I suck at learning, I no, 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 no. do you think you're going to do it? No. Those are negative thoughts that you have because this is automated self, negative self-talk that you have going on in your mind because you keep on saying the same thing and you don't call yourself out. The key here is that if you find yourself saying something like that, call yourself out call yourself out. So like, I had to call myself out like a couple of times. I remember for a while I was going to the gym. I was like, oh, I'm not in shape. And to the point where my girl was like, Sabrina, stop saying that. Like you're at the gym every single day. And every single day you tell yourself you're not in shape. And I was like, damn, that's so true. I didn't even realize I don't do it on purpose. Cause I don't think I'm, it's the worst. It's just, those are things we tell ourselves, and we don't think it matters, but it does. And it affects a lot on your, on your capability to do things and wanting to do things and motivation overall it just makes it harder. Why would you want to make it harder when you can make it easier for yourself and be nice to yourself? Right? So that was number four, number five, a clean environment. 
Okay, so obviously they, they say like the best would be to live in the mountains and to breed fresh hair, but it's like, you know, if you're in the city, just forget about that. Um, but he said that a clean environment goes beyond air quality though. Removing clutter and distractions from your surroundings will make you feel lighter and improve your ability to focus. So take time to Marie Kondo your mind and remove any unnecessary stuff. I love that you said that. So sometimes guys, a clean environment is cleaning up your desk cleaning up your, your room, doing some laundry, like, um, organizing your agenda, right? Because I know when my room is looks like a mess, I've been like crazy going, I'm like, okay, Sabrina, get your shit together. Because if my, I always say this, if my room is a mess, my life is going to be a mess. That's what I tell myself. So when I have like a little bit too much, for example, now I have some laundry, I'm like, I'm not letting this go. So before the call, I put my laundry in this, these piles right now, I have two piles right there that I'm going to do right after. I'm like, I'm not letting this thing go. Okay. We're not going to have a, a cluttered environment here. It's not happening for me. Cause I, I just, I don't know who said that or if it's written somewhere, but like messy, you know what I mean? I don't know if you guys have heard of that when you have like a messy room, it's because your life it's messy or whatever. I don't know. It's stuck to me. You guys, I have this right here and I told you guys I'm intense. So I listen, it's there. So a clean environment. Number six, a positive peer group. Okay. So your brain potential is also related to your social networks. When you spend time with those, um, who you spend time with is who you become. And Jim Rohn says this all the time. You're the average of the five per people that you spend the most time with. And we talk about it all the time. So for example, this wake up with the Fab squad that we have right here. Well, this is a positive peer group. We join every morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we talk about personal development, you know, how you can get better, about positive self-talk, self-confidence, self-discipline, habits, the brain. Isn't this amazing? You're always around people at least once a day on a Zoom call with a bunch of like-minded people that are looking to get better. But also look at who you surround yourself with. Who do you allow into your life? Who do you allow to speak their word to you? because that's important on your brain and what you think is capable. Because I'm sure that before you join the Wake Up With W Fab, let's say you're not on, on our team when it comes to the business, you're still in our family when it comes to Wake Up With W Fab. Um, before that, before you joined us and we're so tapped in with your personal development, well, I'm sure that not everybody around you was giving you such a support or making sure that you read your books, you have a morning routine and all of that. So starting to get access, because I know having access to morning calls like this changed everything for me. It worked. I don't know like where I would learn information like this if it wasn't for morning calls like these. I honestly don't know. Because literally every single day you have people pouring into you guys, making sure we share everything we learn. Like, I don't, like, who does that? Because I remember before I was tapped in with my personal development and all that stuff, like, I wasn't around people like that. Like my friends weren't like that until I had to cut my friends. And today I trust, believe me, you guys, my circle is full of, there's no average people in my circle. Let me tell you that much. There's only people that are tapped in that want more for themselves, that are positive, that are goal oriented. And if ever they end up not being that positive, it's just because life, it gets in the way, not because they're negative, that there's a difference. You know what I mean? So that's so important. So be aware if you're new here and you still didn't do, you know, kind of a cleanup of your surroundings. I know it sucks. I'm not saying cut off everybody. I'm just saying like your time is, is, is valuable and who you are and your energy is priceless and don't just give it to anybody because not everybody deserves it. And not everybody's going to make a good use of your presence. And that is going to affect how, because listen, if you're friends with people that don't have big goals, then you talk about your big goals. It feels like you're bragging. 
Because I remember before when I would have goals, I would feel like I'm bragging. People, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, millionaire. When I'm now with my friends, they're like, oh, you want to make how much a year? I'm like, let's say two millions, babe. You can do 20. You know that the type of situation we're, we're talking about? But that all affects how you see yourself. Because if you have people, you feel like you're bragging, oh, maybe I'm dreaming too high. Maybe my dreams are too big. Nah, it's, it's, I'm silly. It's not for me. But you're not silly. They're silly to not understand what you're talking about. So that's very important. You guys, like, please put like a big heart next to this um, number six because it's very important. It affects a lot what we end up doing. Now, number seven, brain protection. I'm not going to go over it, but basically it just talks like, you know, if you do some bicycles and you go protect your brain, be careful. But it's true. Like, you know, how do you want to have a good brain if you're not, if you don't protect? It's like, you know, people, guys that do sports um, and all these stuff, like it can be rough. So just to be um, aware when you do that, obviously pretty self-explanatory there. Um, number eight, new learning. One of the most important things you can do for the health of your brain is to keep learning. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We're all capable of expanding the, cap the capacities of our brain. As long as we keep learning, we continue create to create new pathways in our brain. Okay, we keep our brains plastic and supple, capable of processing new information in relevant ways. What happens with the people, guys, that are not tempted usually into personal development, I realize, you know what happens? They stop learning. And I can notice when somebody stopped learning with the nonsense they talk about, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Okay. So it's just because, and sometimes even people, you, you'll see it, like people will forget how to write. They'll forget. They're not going to be as good as reading because they don't practice. They don't exercise their brains. Have you ever noticed that? Like, for example, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it can be your parents. It could be a sibling. It could be whoever around you that they just stop with their education when, when it comes to education we talk about this it doesn't mean just school education it doesn't just mean school education is all the podcasts you listen to everything you go through in life do you read books do you listen to morning calls there's so many other ways for you to learn out there right so but some people stop it there but as long as you make sure that you keep learning not only are you going to be have more knowledge about everything, work on yourself, be a better individual, but you'll also exercise your brain. And at the end of the day, you guys, we do that so our brains can last us forever. So at the end of our lives, we don't struggle with memory problems, right? We don't struggle with things like that, with forgetting who's who your family members are, because I've seen a lot of videos lately like that, and it, it, it breaks my heart, you know what I mean? And some, those are things that unfortunately we don't have control over, but we can start at an early age, work on little things that can improve the health of our brains. You know, it's not something that we think of all the time because they don't talk about it, but think about it. Without, without our brains, I don't know if there's really things that we could do here. Not a lot, so we might protect it, but it's not something that, you know, they never talk about that. I know in school, they never, the, 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 the health of your brains. I've never been taught that. I've been taught to remember the, the, the information they give me to pass my exam. You know, that's what I've been taught, you know, but it's, it, it just opened my eyes because it's so true that we have to take care of what matters and of the things that without these things, like your heart and your, and your, and your brain, there's nothing else you could really do here. It's like, you're, you know what I mean? So anyways, I'm really grateful for this book. Did I say that again? Cause I've just been saying it for the last five weeks, <laughs> probably 10 times a, a call. So number nine is stress management. Okay. So whenever we experience stress, um, a hormone known as cortisol is released to alleviate the physical rigors of stress on our bodies. If this happens occasionally, it's not a problem. But if it happens with great regularity, the buildup of cortisol in our brains can lead it to cease functioning properly. That's why it's so important to manage your stress. 
do you see how crazy that is it's like sometimes we don't think what our emotions or what we do affect our inside of our body like literally our you know what i mean this literally because of this hormone if it, it's if it's too often out there it's not going to be good for you okay so this is what appears to happen in the brain when it is under continuous stress it essentially builds up the part of the brain designed to handle tr threats and the part of the brain tasked with more complex thought um, takes a backseat so you know when you stress too much that hormone what it's going to affect is your capability capacity to um do things that um like that require you to do complex um activities so your brain is not going to be able at obviously in the long run not overnight um to, to accomplish things that are a little bit more complex because there's different parts in the brain that take care of complex um actions and the other ones is the ones that are just on repeat okay so that could in the long run affect maybe you you're not you're going to struggle tying up your hair you know you're maybe going to struggle um dressing up you know, things like that because of, of constant stress. So that's why it's important to learn things that manage your stress. So maybe think of something right now. What is your favorite thing to do to cope with stress? Ask yourself that, write it down. And when you tend to be stressed again, do it. Because sometimes we even forget what helps us because we're so in our heads, right? And number 10, sleep. That's important. Number 10 is sleep. Okay, if you want better focus, you need to get good sleep. If you want to be a clearer thinker, you need to get good sleep. If you want to make best decisions or have a better memory, you need to get good sleep. Did I say that enough? So without sleep, you can't form or maintain the pathways in your brain that you learn, um, that you let you learn and create new memories, okay? Um, basically, sleep plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in your brain that build up while you're awake. So basically all day long, we, we have a buildup of toxins that, that starts to, to happen in our body and the sleep helps remove them. I didn't know that before reading this book. Um, so that's really good to know. And the takeaway from this is getting enough sleep and getting enough quality sleep is essential if you're going to make the most out of your brain. Okay, exactly. Sleeping at 2 a.m., it's bad. It's really bad. And I know it too. And I'm more tired. Like lately, my sleep schedule, this not lately, just this week has been a little weirdo. Um, so I'm not like going to bed at my bedtime. So I'm a little bit more tired, but I feel it. And it's it's it affects your energy, it, it affects your memory, it affects your uh productivity, it affects a lot of things. It's like I still get things done, but it, I need that extra push. Whereas when you 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 sleep at the same time every day or you have a certain kind of sleep schedule and you get quality sleep, you're able to accomplish way more in one day, you know. Um uh, and it says that if you have a lack of sleep, okay. It, it, it can have a lot of mental and physical disorders, such as increased depression, irritability, impulsivity, or cardiovascular diseases. And that's so true. When you're extremely tired, right, you're going to be irritated more, like, easily. I don't know if you guys can relate, but I know if I'm too tired, I'm just like, yo, listen, honestly, like, don't talk to me today. Like, I'm not right now. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't, that, you don't do that on purpose. <laughs> this guy is like, Monique, like, coffee, exactly. My coffee is right here, right there waiting for me. Okay. And after this, it's refill time after this call, refill, just to make sure I make, I make it through the day. Okay. And while you're awake, guys, the brain is so busy doing other things that, that it doesn't have the capacity to clean itself of waste. Okay. So the buildup of this waste, okay, which is called amyloid beta, 
you know, the real word scientifically, is now being linked to, develop, to the development of Alzheimer's diseases. That's crazy. Because of a lack of sleep. So now I'm scared. Let's sleep, friends. Okay, because <laughs> okay, information like this, you don't just not listen to that, okay? It has to stick, okay? And you know, usually sometimes people are going to be like, you have to sacrifice your sleep until you're able to catch up. It's like, I'm not sleeping until I'm, you know, like, no, but it's not, it's not a good thing to do though. Like, it's really not to, for you to be healthy. It's really a bad thing. You'll never catch up on your sleep. It's no, you, did you have ever, like, I, I try to tell myself that and I lie to myself and I'm like, it's okay. I didn't sleep this well, but on Saturday, I'm going to sleep in and I'll be good. Eh, mistake. I'm still tired on Saturday. I'm still tired even if I sleep in and then the week comes back again. So now lately I'm just telling myself like, ah, oh, I'm energized at all times. I don't need to sleep in. And I've just been telling me these things is that it's not true. Like we don't catch up on no sleep whatsoever. You're still going to be tired. Your brain is still not going to have the time to recuperate. So you really have to try your best to incorporate a healthy sleeping routine in your life. Okay. Um, so that's about that. Oh, now he talks about giving your mind a break. Okay, uh, about for your energy as well. So one of the many reasons why people have trouble sleeping is not being able to get your mind to turn off. Can you guys relate? Drop it to in the chat if you can relate to that, because I know I can. You know, it's like sometimes you can't fall asleep because you have too much to think about. That happens to me sometimes. Like before I was good because I was listening to that one um, bedtime meditation. So it, it was Abraham Hicks. She was talking. I can't find it anywhere. So now I put like a little soothing music, really calming, which helps. I'm not struggling with that this week, but last week, I don't know why when I was listening to that, I wouldn't fall asleep to the songs. I would just like think about, because I had so many things to do and I had struggled with that, but that's because we don't have the ability to turn off your mind, you know? So he said to you have a tool available to you at all times that can help you heal with this and it's meditation. So if you find yourself like that's why when I had the voice helping me go to bed, it's so easy because you listen to the voice. I would fall asleep, my friends, like this. I'm telling you, the voice was so soothing. I can't find it. I'm so sad. If you guys can find the night meditation from Abraham Hicks, please send me the link because I cannot find it anywhere. And I loved it. I really missed this gal into my life. I mean, at night, because um, now I just listen to the little sounds. And anyways, it's still good. But you know, when you have too much on your mind, it doesn't help. And that will actually enhance your um, your your sleep. Okay, the, the benefits are um, right. Even Charlie, all of us were listening to it. So I'm really sad. Like if we find it, like I'm going to be so happy and grateful i'm telling you so if you're listening to this on the podcast right now and you know a link of abraham hicks nighttime meditation please did you just find it elvis are you kidding me right now let me open this right now are you serious <laughs> okay he found it wow that was uh, quick my friend um, i've been looking for weeks <laughs> and you just found it in two seconds good. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. Oh, it's not the same. Come on, Elvis. It's not the same. Which what's the one again that um anyways, guys, I, I knew it by heart at some point. I don't remember what she said. I for at some point, guys, I, I had to stop like thinking it too much because I started learning it by heart. I love my pillow. Yeah, and, and she would say, like, I love my pillow. I love my pillow. And sometimes it would make me laugh. And I'm Serena, you're trying to sleep here. Like, focus. Okay. <laughs> um, 
But basically, back to the topic, because we're never going to end. Don't, make, don't, don't try to make me start to talk, guys, okay? Because we're going to go off topic. I'll be like, in my mind, talking about Abraham Hayes. Let's, let's focus. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, meditating is going to have a lot of uh, benefits, such as boosting your immune system to fun um, um, function to decrease anxiety, to actually increase your gray matter. So that's amazing, you guys. It's also just going to train your mind to be aware and present in the moment. So I know that a lot of people struggle with being present. And I used to struggle with that a lot because it's not easy. You're always in your mind, but practicing meditation you know, often can help you be more present in the moment. And, you know, as, as like, as I go and I go through my meditation journey, because, you know, I'm not a pro, but before I never thought meditate, I could do meditating and now I'm able to do it. And sometimes not even think about something else, you know, but you go and you practice. It's really through times like, and I don't know who said it, but you know, it's okay. And it's normal. If you see while you're on a meditation that your thoughts kind of go away, as long as they're positive thoughts, you're good. If they're negative though, that's, you want to stop that thing and, you know, come back to positive thinking. But if it's just something positive, it's normal because them saying certain words can make you think of new things. And that's normal, especially when you just get started in your journey. So um, that was for energy. Looking at the time, I'm, I'm wishing we have the time to go through all of it. So that was for energy. Number Section number two of today is small, simple steps. I'm going to open up this link. Okay. So, um, small, simple steps. So how do we start good habits or, and bad ones? What daily routines will help me become limitless? Okay. So a small, simple step, what he calls it here is the tiniest action you can take to get closer to your goals. Okay, so it's always to get to your goal, you're gonna get there doing tiniest, uh, tiny actions. And it's so true. And we've talked about that before, you know, about goal setting and how like setting yourself like these huge goals without breaking it down is not helping you with your self-confidence, right? You're always gonna be like, oh, well, I'm not a millionaire yet. Well, I suck. Well, no girl, you still accomplish a lot of things. You don't suck, you're on, the, you're on your way, you know? So, um, I'm not, I'm going to skip this word. Um, okay. So be kind to yourself and you'll understand what he says here. So he says, uh, we already know that unfinished tasks create tension in your brain. If you lay your guilt and shame on top of this, you're making it even harder to get a task done and you're making yourself feel miserable. Isn't that true? When you don't accomplish things that you set yourself, it doesn't feel cool. Like, I know for me, it sucks. I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling of knowing I didn't do something that I had to do. But that's most of the time because maybe you're setting yourself with maybe an unrealistic to-do list or things that are too big to accomplish that even if you would work freaking hard, you wouldn't do it. Not because you're not good enough, but because you have to be realistic sometimes. And feeling shame about work you have not completed is likely to make the problem worse, not better, making it an emotion that is almost never helpful. So give yourself a break. Beating yourself up isn't going to improve anything. And since you're reading this book now, or you're listening to it right now, we've already taken the steps to avoid procrastinating in the future. You're not reading it, but I'm giving you guys the literally you've, you don't even need to read it. If you listen to all of the morning calls, Honestly, I've went through all of the book. I swear to God, just I skipped some stories. But other than that, we really went through everything. So now he talks about three ways to change people's behavior. 
okay? So only three things can change a person's behavior in long-term. One is to have an epiphany, okay? Which very few people can come and um, can summon on demand, okay? Another way that you can change people's behavior is to change your environment. That's something that you can have. That's something that you can do, okay? And the third is to take baby steps. So how do you change yes. somebody's behavior, whether with a, um, whether with a, an epiphany? So sometimes we'll just get an epiphany and all of a sudden from the day up to the other, you just change, which doesn't you know, happen, but it can sometimes. Um, another is to change your environment, which you can, we can all do this here on this call. And the other one is to take baby steps. Okay. So, um, no, I'm not going to talk about that. So the only way, to, the only thing, the only, the best way for you to make some drastic change is really to make incremental progress. Okay. So you have, you must take it one step at a time. And now I'm going to talk about autopilot for a second. He says that small, simple step, steps repeated lead to habits. And our habits are a core part of who we are because between 40 and 50% of what we do every day is the product of a habit. You've done it so much that it became a habit for you because you've do it, you've, you're doing it in a, in, a, in a loop, okay? But without habit loops, you know what that would do? Our brains would shut down, overwhelmed by the minutiae of daily life. Just imagine that you would have to think about brushing your teeth, think about grabbing this pencil, think about grabbing this cup, think about my phone, think about my finger on my screen, imagine. Your, your brain would literally shut down. But the reason why it's, it doesn't is because this has become a habit to me. This is a habit to me. It's, it's I do it all the time. You know what I mean? So, but it's the same way to start doing new things that you didn't do before. It's going to become a habit. Yes, Atomic Habits, that book is amazing for that. Um, the book that I'm talking about right now is Limitless by Jim Quick. Okay. Um, so, you know, for example, he talks about, you need to tie your shoe. Your brain is automating the solution to that problem. That's what a habit is. You know, it's the solution to a recurring problem that you face throughout life. One that you've employed so many times that you can do it without thinking. One that you've employed so many times that you can do it without thinking. Okay. And if the solution doesn't work anymore, then your brain will update it. So the habit loop goes as follow, you know, they show this little picture on the book okay, of the habit loop. And it says, so every habit starts with a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. Okay, a cue, craving, response, reward. That's the habit loop. So perhaps, perhaps a cue is walking past your kitchen pantry. <laughs> Good one. The craving comes from the knowledge that your favorite chips are in the pantry and your innate desire is to eat them. The response is that you go into the pantry you open the bag of chips and take out a big handful of chips. And the reward is crunchy, salty, fatty deliciousness. <laughs> I love that how we, how we shared that because it's so true. This is a really good example to understand this. Okay. Um, and he talks about getting in the habit. And he says, um, it is also widely assumed that breaking a bad habit isn't about ending that habit but rather about replacing it with a different, more constructive habit. It's much easier to start doing something new than to stop doing something habitual without a replacement behavior. 
So you can't just be like, okay, so I have to stop doing this. You have to find something to replace it with. So let's say you want to stop procrastinating when it comes to reading. Instead of saying, I want to stop skipping my reading. It's going to be way harder for you. Start giving yourself, okay, so now I'm going to read five minutes a day at 10 a.m., let's say. Well, and, well that, now that's a new habit. So when you start doing that new habit, well, clearly you're working towards stop procrastinating your reading. But you, you, you did it through a new habit. Do you guys understand? Like, I, I love how we did that because it's so true. We don't just stop doing things. We start doing new things that replace the old ones. That's what we do. And that's also how it's the most effective. Okay. Um, okay. So now he talks about the three motivators for everything in life. Okay. So he talks about motivation, ability, and prompts. I'll go over all of them. And then about how you can um, create a new habit. Okay. So first of all, motivation, the three key motivation, motivators, sorry. Number one is pleasure slash pain. This is the most immediate motivator. In this case, the behavior has a nearly immediate payoff, positive or negative. Okay, because this is a primitive response. Okay, us as human beings. Okay, so the first one motivators is pleasure slash pain. Number two is hope slash fear. Unlike the immediacy of the previous motivator, this one is all about anticipation. When you're hopeful, you're anticipating something good happening. When you're fearful, you're anticipating the opposite. Okay, so that's the second motivator. The third motivator, social acceptance slash rejection. Humans have always desired to be accepted by their peers. Dating back to the time when being ostracized could mean a death sentence, and this remains an extremely strong motivator. The power of social motivation is likely hardwired into us and perhaps all other creatures that historically depended on living in groups to survive. Okay, so that's number three, social acceptance slash rejections. Those are the three key motivators for us as human beings. Okay, so pleasure, pain, hope and fear, and social acceptance slash rejections. Now, he talks about ability, but he equates ability with simplicity. Okay, noting that when, that when something is simple for us, we are considerably more likely to do it. Okay, so when you, there's, you give yourself a task that is simple, you're going to be more likely to get it done because it is simple. So now he talks about the six categories of simplicity. Number one is time. So we only perceive something to be simple if we have the time available to perform the function. If you have the time for it, it's going to be simple. If you don't, you're going to stress about it. Number two, money. If something stretches out, our financial resources, we do not consider it simple. If you're tight financially and there's something that, that, that involves a huge cost, you're going to feel stressed about it. It's not going to be easy for you. Depends on how you see it, obviously. Number three, physical effort. We consider things that are physically easy for us to be simple. And it's true. If you have to do a, a marathon and you've never done one, well, now it's not that simple. You're going to consider it. Do you really want to go on that marathon? Right? But if it's something, it's oh, you have to go on a walk. Well, this is easy. You'll do it. That's an example, obviously. Um, number four, brain cycle. Simple things don't tax our thinking. And we shy away from things that require us to think too hard. <laughs> we always want to have this the easy way out. I mean, most of people. Number five, 
social deviance. This goes back to the acceptance motivation. A simple act fits into societal norms. It's crazy. And the number six is non-routine. So how far something is out of one's normal routine will define its level of simplicity. And it's so true. Okay, so that's how he talks about ability equals simplicity and that the simple, if as, as like this, as, oh my God, I can't speak. So if the, the action that you're trying to do, incorporate in your life is simple, you're going to be more likely to do it. That's what I was trying to say. And now we just went over the six categories of simplicity. Okay, now he talks about the three types of prompts. Okay, so spark, facilitator, and signal. I'll go over them. So spark, facilitator, and signal. So a spark, number one, is a type of prompt of prompt that immediately leads to a form of motivation. For example, if opening your email leads to a level of fear over what you might find there, you're likely to adopt a habit that will change that fear. Okay, so a spark. Number two, facilitator. This type of prompt works when motivation is high, but ability is low. When motivation is high, but ability is low. For example, if you want to use a certain kind of software on your computer, but are, but are tech-averse, a tool that makes that software easier for you to use it, likely to, to cause you to adopt this behavior. I don't know if I read that correctly. Sorry, you guys. Because um, I'm trying to look at you guys and read at the same time. Number three is signal. In some cases, you'll have both high motivation and high ability. The only other thing you need to make a behavior a habit is some kind of reminder or signal or signal. If you love making brain smoothies, all you need is to walk into the kitchen in the morning and see the blender to prompt you to make one. Right. So, you know, sometimes people to, to make sure they, they go to the gym in the morning, like, you know, they'll have and I've done that sometimes, too. I prepare my clothes the night before. You know what I mean? Like my shoes are next to my whole outfit. So in the morning, that's my signal. I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? So that could be little things to help you out. Now, creating a new habit. When you want to create a new habit, focus on when. W-I-N. When. And I'll go over it, what it stands for. Okay, so W stands for want. Make sure you really want it that new habit do you really want it okay because it's nearly impossible to turn something into a habit if you don't want to do that thing it's so true if it's really not something that you truly want you're not going to want to do it okay so do you really want it number well i is for innate does the new habit you're trying to adopt align well with it with your innate abilities Remember that you're unlikely to make something a habit when it is consistently difficult for you to perform. Okay. And N is for now. Create a prompt for yourself that encourages you to perform the new habit now. Okay. This can be anything from a reminder on your phone to placing something in your office that makes you remember to set aside time um, to do what you're setting out to do. For example, you want to read in the morning. Don't hide your book. You know, if you want to read in the morning, let your book out, let a marker and a pen next to it. So in the morning, you're ready. Little things like that. It's like that when I would do my, my, my workout clothes next to like I would put them on my desk because I knew I was tired and I knew them right. I was going to bed late and I didn't want to skip it. So I would literally put all of my outfit there. 
And then when I see my whole outfit outside, I feel really bad putting it back in my drawer. Imagine. So trust me, I would put it on and go to the gym. Little things like that. My book before, when it wasn't a habit for me to read in the morning, trust me, it would be like, if I could make it hang and just to make sure it's there, I would. <laughs> okay, because I needed that because before it would be easy for me to skip it. Whereas now I want to read, you know what I mean? So, um, oh yeah, and he just, uh, I talked to you guys about this in the morning um, last week. You know, what he does in the morning, he, he wants to always, he does two particular challenges in the morning to train his brain to do difficult things. And I shared it, one of them with you. First off, he brushes his teeth with his opposite hand. It's not easy if you tried it. Did some of you guys try it this week? Let me, yeah, you guys tried it out. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yes. Amazing. Cool. Um, and the second thing he does, which that I'm not there yet. Okay. He takes a cold shower every morning. Oh, I'm not there yet, friends. Okay. We'll work on it, but I love me some extremely hot water right now. So it's a little hard for me. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. Unless it's like extremely hot. It's hard for me to take a cold shower. Did you guys, did you guys do it? Did you guys already do it? Or you love cold showers? Damn. It's brutal. I know. Listen, I'm going to work on it, friends. Okay. Every day. Oh, Lord. Elvis, are you trying to compete with me right now? Are you trying to make me feel some type of way? <laughs> uh, I saw my face every morning. Yeah, that's another thing. That's really good. Even for your, you know, for the bags under your eyes and stuff. But okay. I see you. Okay. I'm on. Okay. I need to step it up. That's basically what I have to do. Step it up. Get a cold shower. Okay. Noted. Um, I did the other thing, though. Brushing my teeth with my opposite hand. Eh, still did something. Okay. <laughs> um and another thing he talks about and if i if you know me if you've been on my calls you know this is important establishing a morning routine i didn't say it the brain uh expert said it so now can you please do it if you still didn't don't have a morning routine like because i've been saying it for months but now it's not me it's jim quick so maybe you'll listen to him more than me <laughs> and he said that he strongly believes that if you jumpstart your day by jumping, by jumpstarting your brain with a series of simple activities, you have a huge advantage. In addition, if you set up winning routines early in the day, you can benefit from what Tony Robbins calls the science of momentum. This is the notion that once you set accomplishment in motion, you can keep it in motion with much less effort than if you were trying to accomplish something from a standing start. So having a morning routine not only gives you control over your day, but it also sets the momentum for your day. Because when you start so strong, like you did, you did all of this back to back to back to back, you're in flow. It's like you're in momentum to keep on going. So that's what you want to do with the, with the morning routine. It's also like a, a, a series of little activities that you're doing that is really good for your brain once again. Um... Okay, I'm not going to talk about that. Maybe we can go right away into flow. I don't know if I'll have the time. We'll see. Well, maybe I can. So now we'll go over flow. So we just talked about the energy, how to make sure you have a lot of energy, which um, it, it's important to have a healthy brain tip for that and sleep and stuff. Now we talked about small, simple steps and that it, it, you don't just stop habit. You just create new ones to replace the old ones. Okay, and now we're going to go over the flow state. How can you achieve a flow state? Okay. And basically flow state is 
the state in which people are so involved in an activity that nothing else seems to matter. The experience itself is so enjoyable that people will do it even at great cost for the sheer sake of doing it. This is like optimal experience. It's like the, the goal here, okay? To get ourselves in the flow state. So the characteristic of flow, there's eight, okay? Number one is absolute concentration. Number two is total focus on goals. I'll repeat them twice, okay? Because I know I'm going quickly. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to finish, not too late. Three is the sense that time is either speeding up or slowing down. Four, a feeling of reward from the experience. Five, a sense of effortless, a sense of effortlessness, sorry. Number six, the experience is challenging, but not overly so. Number seven, your actions almost seem to be happening on their own. And number eight, you feel comfort with what you're doing. Have you guys ever experienced a flow state? Drop it in the chat, let me know. Now that you know the characteristics, I'll go over them one more time while some of you guys drop it in the chat. Yeah, amazing. So number one, absolute concentration. Characteristic number two, total focus on goals. The sense that time is either speeding up or, sleep or slowing down, number three. Number four, a feeling of reward from the experience. I'm sorry for the people taking notes with their pens. I know I'm going quick, but a sense of effortlessness, number five. <clears throat> number six, the experience is challenging, but not overly so. Number seven, your actions almost seem to be happening on their own. And number eight, you feel comfort with what you're doing. And being in a flow state, you guys, dramatically boosts your productivity. Like you're literally going to be five times more productive. I've experienced flow. You know what I mean? And let me tell you, it's crazy. Like, I feel like when I was in an extreme flow state, my days would go on like this. It was so quick. I would be so efficient. Like, it would be 11 p.m. I'm like, is it really freaking 11 p.m.? I wake up at 5.55. You tell me it's already 11 p.m. That's crazy. But it's also amazing. Now we're going to go over the four stages of flow. Four stages of flow. Okay. Number one, stage number one of flow is struggle. <laughs> okay. This is when you're digging deep to access whatever it is that you need to reach the flow state. Okay. It could be a workout regimen, extensive research, an intense bout of brainstorming or anything else that you're focusing on. Okay, so warning, this often feels like you're struggling and in fact, the positive flow. Stage number two, relaxation. So stage number one is struggle. Stage number two is relaxation. This is the break you take before fully diving into flow. It is an essential step as it keeps you from burning out over the struggle you've just been through. Okay. But this is different from a distraction, by the way. This is just you relax before you start going ham with the flow state, okay? Stage number three is flow, okay? This is the Superman experience. That's what they call it, okay? Because you're doing your absolute best work. Like, in a, it almost seems like you're doing everything automatically. You're in flow, okay? And now stage number four is consolidation. 
So it is in this final stage, you pull together everything you accomplished during the flow states, okay? And all kinds of positive chemicals have been running through your brain while you're in flow. And now that high is ending, okay? And finding flow is the source code of motivation. Okay, once we start to feel flow in, in an experience, we are motivated to do what it takes to get more. That's so true. If you guys have experienced flow before, you know what I'm talking about. You're more motivated. You're just like on, it's like, go, 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 go. I'm down, you wake up, you do it. You, you get things done, you're productive, everything, right? So motivation and flow need to work together and they must be coupled with a solid recovery protocol like good sleep and nutrition. That's the key of flow state to make sure you have a good sleep and good nutrition regimen just so you don't burn out. So you don't burn out. So that those were the four stages. Stage number one, struggle. Stage number two, relaxation. Stage three is when you're actually in flow. And stage four is when you're consolidated. Consolidation, that's the name of the stage, but that's when you're, okay? So I know, for example, at the beginning of my 90 days, I was in extreme flow state. At the beginning of my first 90 days, like it was extreme flow state for a long, long time. Like I'm telling you guys, I was doing things without thinking. It was just like automated. Like I was just in it, in it. It was so crazy. Honestly, it was amazing. I loved it. Um, so now how can we find flow? Five um, ways to find flow. Okay, there's five ways for you to find the flow. And I'll probably have to end it there. Number one, eliminate distractions. It's essential. Okay, so maybe some uh, distractions that you have are some unnecessary notifications that we talked about three weeks ago that it's good for you, okay, to take off, turn off some notifications. You don't need all of them on your phone. Well, that's a distraction. Maybe that's an example. Okay, so you can put everything aside and focus on what you have to do right now. Number two, give yourself enough time. It takes about 15 minutes to achieve a flow state and that you don't really hit your, you don't really hit your peak, okay, for closer to 45 minutes. So if you want to be in flow state for a work session, give yourself at least two hours. You can't be in flow state for 30 minutes. That doesn't, it's not how it works because it takes at least 15 minutes to start getting in the flow. Then it takes 45 minutes to be in total flow. So then you only have an hour of total flow. You don't have two, you have one. So two hours is the minimum if you really want to get in a good flow state, okay? And that's when you get things running. You don't have no distractions. You're productive. You're efficient. If you're in my business, that could be during a power hour or during your morning routine session or things like that, that you put yourself in a flow state. Um, number three, do something you love. Okay. Um, you know, if you want to be in the flow state, you must be doing something you love. Do you love what you're doing? Do you love what it is that you have to do to get yourself in your flow state? For example, my business, the reason why I was able to put, honestly, I think I was putting myself in like 12 hour flow state. It was to that point because I love what I do. I love it. I honestly am obsessed with what I do so much that it was easy for me to, not easy, but it, it, I wanted to be in that flow state. So therefore I just didn't, honestly, guys, I didn't, I wasn't, okay, I'm going to put myself in a flow state. Today I'm able to think and be like, oh, that was definitely flow state. 
You know what I mean? It's like, you don't even realize that much. Cause for me, it was just, I loved it too much that it was just obvious to that point, you know? Number four, have clear goals. Okay, flow preventers is a lack of clarity. Okay, so give yourself a clear purpose for how you're going to use your time. Okay, if you set yourself on a mission at the outset, and it is something that, you've, that you're excited about achieving, you're likely to find yourself deeply immersed in that mission. Okay, so have clear goals. Number five, challenge yourself a little. He says, challenge yourself, dot, 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 a little. Okay, so he says, when I talk to people about flow, I consistently hear that they're most likely to achieve flow when they're doing something that is a little bit of a challenge. In other words, they're outside of their comfort zone, but not way outside of it. Okay, so if you always stay in your, in your comfort zone, you guys are going to get bored. And boredom and flow are not compatible. Boredom and flow, don't, don't, they're not compatible. Okay, so you want to always challenge, not too much, because if it's too much, you're not going to get it done. You're not going to want to do it. But just enough for you to, it's a little challenge. It keeps you going and it's not boring. And it keeps you in that flow state. Okay. You know what, guys? I have literally just one page left. I'll just go over that. We already went over, but that way I, I can finish the topic of flow. Because the last part. Um, conquering the enemies of flow. Okay. There's four enemies to flow state. So now we just talked about, I'll just go back just so you can situate yourself. We talked about what's flow, okay? The characteristics of flow, the four stages of flow, stage one, struggle, stage two, relaxation, stage three, flow, stage four, consolidation. Now how you can find flow. Number one, eliminate distractions. Number two, give yourself enough time. Number three, do something you love. Number four, have clear goals. And number five, challenge yourself a little. Now, the four enemies of flow. Number one, and some of you are not going to be happy, but you know them right. This is not good. Multitasking. Oh, we know that. Okay. Research repeatedly shows that people who multitask are considerably less productive than those who focus on one task at a time. Given what you know about flow, it should be obvious that multitasking is the mortal enemy of this feeling. Clear your schedule. Clear your schedule and get into flow. You think when you're multitasking, you're being productive. You're not at all. It's the opposite. That's like a misconception. Guys, we all had it. Like we all did it. I've done it, multitasking. But then there's nothing that's done properly. It's like you do everything, but everything is done bad. Like it's wrong. It's just, you're not giving it your all. Exactly. Um, so that was number one. Number two of enemies of flow is stress. Okay, so once that thought is in your head, any opportunities for flow are crushed if you're stressed while doing it. The defeating this supervillain requires two expert moves. The first is to look um, the supervillain in the eye before you start. The supervillain is stress. Okay, he's very into comic books, so he relates to that a lot. Um, and ask yourself if there's anything that you absolutely must deal with before you get into flow. So if you're stressing about something, ask yourself this. Can I deal with it now? Is there anything that I can do about it now? Yes or no? No, don't stress about it now, stress about it later. Do, can, 
do you really like can you really do something about it right now well no because this is something that's going to happen in two months well stop stressing about it put yourself in flow state you'll deal with it later sometimes we stress ourselves for nothing and if you can deal with it now deal with it now and then get yourself in flow state okay number three of enemies of flow is the fear of failure perfectionism reduces creativity and innovation and you guys know and what it does perfectionism it keeps people completely self-absorbed engage in perpetual self-evaluation you're going to be so focused on not failing that you'll never get into a state where you can truly excel can some of you guys relate to that right you want to do things such in a perfect way you don't get anything done you're just focusing on yourself. You're not letting yourself be in a state where you can actually excel at something and do something good because you're all the time overthinking about what you're doing, about being perfect, about looking a certain way, about what people are going to think. About... But don't, why don't you stop focusing on that and just focusing on the, on the did? What can you do right now? Right? That was number three, fear of failure. You should embrace failure. I know it's not easy but because it's through failure that you learn and grow. Let me tell you, I tell you for experience. Number four, the last one, lack of conviction. Okay, lack of belief in what you're doing, okay, is a super villain to um, flow. The brain perceives uncertainty as a threat, which sparks the release of cortisol, a stress hormone that disrupts memory, depresses the immune system, and increases the risk of high blood pressure and depression. <laughs> Did you see this? Because you don't have enough belief. Do you see everything that's happening here? That's not even just like, you're not gonna have your goals accomplished. It's like literally bad for your immune system and your memory and then depression. Like that, that's when they had me there. And I'm like, whoa, I'm not trying to be depressed. Okay. So um, if you don't believe you're going to accomplish anything of importance, you'll guarantee that that will be the income, the outcome. So if you don't believe you can do something, well, guess what? You're not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. But if you're bold enough to think you can accomplish it and that you will, well, guess what? You're going to accomplish it. You're going to do it. Like life is that crazy that if you believe you can, you will. Isn't that crazy? I think it's crazy. Isn't, and it's beautiful at the same time. So that was it. I kept you guys for a long time today. If you're tuning in from the podcast, thank you so much for listening. I know it was a long one, but let me know what you think. If you want to leave a review again, I just want to remind you guys that we have a huge event in Toronto on May 28th, um, full of like-minded people. If you want to learn about how you can create an additional source of income, hit, make sure to hit me up on Instagram. It's Sabrina C. Vidal. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you guys next week.